Conspiracy theories, it's going nuts! Was the moon landing fake? Did the Dallas Cowboys really deserve that win this week? It's all going crazy right now. Dean Blandino was on the bus with the Cowboys. Was there an Area 51 alien there too? All this and more conspiracy theories on today's Out of Bounds. Welcome to Out of Bounds. I'm Addy Thomas. I'm David Adams. We want to hear from you. Head on over to our website, talkoutofbounds.com. There are a ton of ways for you to get in touch with us. You can tweet us at Talk Out of Bounds. You can Facebook us, email us. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. It'll make it super easy to keep up with the show, and it'll also help us bring you some better content down the road. So this past weekend, we saw... um. <laughs> We saw an interesting weekend of football. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, some of those games were pretty good. I liked the uh, the Arizona-Carolina game. You're the only person I know who genuinely loves a defensive grudge match. A lot of people say that they love it. I love defensive games, and, you know, it was kind of sad seeing the Cardinals and how, how all of that kind of wound out. Um, I mean, in spite of all the great things that the Cardinals did this year, and they, they were able to get their team sort of on track... They had all those injuries, but they were still competitive. They've had so many bleak seasons, and they had a great defense and a steady offense, but it just was not enough to overcome the loss of their first two-string quarterbacks. Arizona led at halftime, but they couldn't hold on to beat a Panthers team that now actually hasn't lost in the last five weeks. Carolina is now advancing on to the divisional round to face the Seahawks. Yeah, I feel bad for Arizona. I know there's there's not a lot of sympathy for pro sports team, but you have to feel a little bit bad for them. This is a team that really did it right all season and was just the unfortunate victim of a bunch of key injuries. I mean, there are a lot of teams that couldn't survive their first string quarterback going down. They had their first two quarterbacks go down with injuries. And it was more than that. Not a single running back who had started the season on the roster was playing in that game. They had to they had to find basically a homeless person. I know you like <laughs> saying that a lot, but I think they pretty much literally like they actually found a homeless person and played a minute running back. <laughs> yeah, they just scooped a couple people off the street. And that's not even looking at their defense. I mean, when you look at what Todd Bowles did to readjust their defense, I know it's not a consolation, but he did a great job. This year to be the one seed for so long to get into the playoffs as as such a strong team for so long and then to fall apart. It's sad to see, but they did a great job this year, no matter what. The one silver lining is I'm getting one of the divisional matches that I was really hoping for. I was hoping to see Carolina make the trip to Seattle because I actually think Carolina is one of the teams that could win up there in that crazy stadium. They could, and I hope so. Their defense is playing better now. The only thing is. They were still kind of iffy against an Arizona team that clearly was on its last leg, if you could even call it a leg at this point. Um, so I don't know how they're going to do against Seattle. I I hope Carolina can do it. I'd love for them to, to barely have won their division and then go on to get to the NFC Championship. <laughs> <laughs> which maybe is, even further. Which is what it would take for them to have a winning record, by the way. <laughs> well, then Saturday night we saw Baltimore play in Pittsburgh, and I picked Pittsburgh, and I was clearly wrong. Well, most people picked Pittsburgh. Well, and to be fair, Le'Veon Bell wasn't out of the lineup at the point where I picked that, because I stand by my pick. If Le'Veon Bell had played in that game, I think they would have beaten the Ravens. 
But it didn't end that way because if you remember all those years when Joe Flacco and the Ravens just couldn't get past the Steelers, especially at home, that era is finally done. Baltimore dominated their rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, for a majority of the game. Flacco had a rock-solid game, and the Ravens' defense was able to keep the NFL's second-ranked offense off track. The road-tested Ravens now move on to another familiar foe, and that's the New England Patriots. They've had some great success against them in the postseason. Yeah, this is probably the toughest matchup that the Patriots could have had in the divisional round. Cincinnati and Indianapolis definitely wouldn't have been as tough of a test as this. It would have been Pittsburgh, I think. No, Pittsburgh couldn't have gone there. Pittsburgh's number three. They would have gone automatically to Denver. Oh, right. Yeah, so it couldn't have been the Steelers. Unless it was an AFC championship. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. But man, I was totally floored by this. I I did not expect for this to be a blowout. I I did see it going kind of either way. I gave the edge to the Steelers because they were at home, but I did not see the blowout win coming. I I really didn't see that. Especially from the defense because the Baltimore secondary had been pretty iffy all year long, but they got on track at the right time. Obviously, it helped that Le'Veon Bell didn't play, like I've said several times. (laughs) But I I want that disclaimer to be there um, because I don't think Baltimore deserves it. And as much as I don't like the Ravens, I will be cheering for them against the New England Patriots. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that more in a minute. (laughs) Then Cincinnati at Indianapolis. The playoff drought continues for Marvin Lewis and the Bengals. The Bengals' defense played well enough to win, but not well enough to overcome the absence of some key starters on offense like A.J. Green and Jermaine Gresham. Cincinnati is now the first NFL team to ever lose in the opening round of the playoffs four years in a row. The Colts will now head to Denver for a week one rematch with the Broncos. Poor Marvin Lewis. I feel bad for him, too. There's, I feel like I'm playing the sympathy game too much. Yeah. But I feel bad. Poor, the poor guy's 0-6 in the playoffs now. He's never won a playoff game with Cincinnati. Get a better team. But they are a pretty good team. I Maybe they don't win in Indianapolis, but this is a way better game if they had A.J. Green and Jermaine, Jermaine Gresham. I think so, too, but this happens all the time. I, I think, you know what, they're repeatedly getting there. I think eventually they'll get that win. I know it sucks right now, but, I mean, for a while, Flacco kept on making the playoffs, and yes, he won a playoff game here or there. People started criticizing him for not, well, not being able to win the big one when it mattered. I think eventually they're going to break through and they're going to get a little deeper into the playoffs. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Bengals fans, I'd love to hear from you on this. Is Marvin Lewis's success in the regular season enough of a reason to keep him around, despite his postseason failures? Has his regular season record been enough to keep him around? Well, then this is the controversial one. The final game of Wild Card Weekend was really the only one that had anything wild happen in it. Detroit dominated Dallas in the first half, and they led 17-7 at halftime. But Dallas's defense made some adjustments and held the Lions to only three points in the second half. The Cowboys' offense was just barely good enough to win, edging out the Lions with a late touchdown and also being helped out by a very important non-penalty. Jim Caldwell's successful first season as the Lions head coach is now over, and the Cowboys move on to face the Packers for the first time in the playoffs since the 1967 Ice Bowl. Boy, you sure are right when you said this was the only one that had anything wild in it. I felt like the other games were kind of boring, to be honest, just a little bit. (sighs) 
I'm going to play the sympathy card again. Oh, God. You got to feel bad for all Lions fans. Y- you shouldn't feel bad. You know why? Because they're Lions fans. because no, they're a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> that game, though, man, that game had to just feel like a kick just right in the groin. Well, just that's right in you, the groin. That's what you have to expect when the Detroit Lions play against the Dallas Illuminati. <sighs> that's fair. That's fair. You know, the play of that game, the play of the weekend was unfortunately not really made by a football player. It was really made by the team of referees at the game. <sighs> and I'm talking, of course, about the pass interference flag that was picked up late in the game. Yeah, the penalty that wasn't to be is actually the only thing everyone's been talking about since the Lions-Cowboys game. Late in the game, Cowboys linebacker Anthony Hitchens was covering Lions tight end Brandon Pettigrew on a third down play. Hitchens was flagged for pass interference by the back judge for having his left hand draped over Pettigrew. And referee Pete Morelli announced the pass interference call and he gave the Lions a first down. Here's where the problem actually started. Things got a little bit strange. After Morelli had made the announcement, the headlinesman came and overturned the call. The Lions faced a fourth down wound up shanking the punt and losing the game. As a result, many fans have said that the refs are responsible for costing Detroit a chance to win the game. I found this a bizarre call. I was watching this one live. I'd just gotten back from a wedding in Texas, and I was really excited. I wanted to see that playoff drought end for Detroit. I found it beyond bizarre that they picked up the flag on that, especially in the context of this year where the the theme of the referees seems to have been Stay with the call on the field unless the circumstances are very, very evident that you got it wrong. And at best, this was a debatable call. I thought it was pass interference. I do see how you could debate that a little bit. But I definitely think this was an instance where they should have stuck with the call that was on the field. The pass interference, again, that's debatable. But what isn't debatable is if you go back and watch the video... Hitchens definitely should have been flagged for holding on Pettigrew. He tugs Pettigrew's jersey beyond five yards, so it should have automatically been a first down for Detroit anyway. Well, some of the controversy, though, coming in with this is that Pettigrew also slightly grabbed Hitchens' face mask, so there's a little bit of that in there. But the NFL head of officiating, Dean Blandino, has also said that it should have probably been called for pass interference at the very least there should have been a a discussion instead of just no real announcement as to why they picked the flag back up after announcing the penalty that's the part that looks so suspicious that that's the part that reeks of well we need the cowboys to go to green bay (laughs) we need those ratings ratings, people (laughs) (laughs) well and and we have to win television (laughs) and this was something that i thought dean blandino was correct in in pointing out that the the referees did screw up they should have gotten together before making the announcement and decided if they were going to call the penalty or not call it, because it really is messed up when you call the penalty and then after you've made the announcement, you take it away and the Lions are facing a fourth down. The other the other issue that Lions fans are, are struggling with, and again, I feel for you, is Des Bryant running onto the field and starting it up with the referees when they flagged Hitchens for the pass interference. Bryant came on without his helmet on, and a lot of people were complaining about that, saying that should have been a flag. That actually is not a flag because Bryant wasn't a player in the mix at that point. It's only players who take off their helmet who are actually in action, they can be flagged for taking off their helmet, but not somebody who's on the sideline. 
what Bryant could Well, he did run onto the field. Blandino that's said what he, he could have gotten in trouble And Blandino for. said he could have been flagged, but yep. that's not an instant. It's not an obvious. It's not it, an automatic. Right. It's if the ref feels threatened by him, I think, is where that actually comes into play for, for what happened. But, but you know, in, in spite of all of this... I, I have to say, the Lions really still had it all in front of them. They well, got the ball back. Yeah. Actually, you know what's funny is, as soon as I watched that play and I saw, like, I was, as soon as I got past the shock of what had happened on TV, like, you sort of popped up in my head and was like, well, they could have won the game earlier, guys. They had plenty of opportunities in the last couple quarters to have scored. And instead, they walked away without <laughs> without scoring. And that is that is my big thing. My big thing is, in no matter what the refs do, if you're complaining about the refs at the end of the game, you could have done more to win. Well, you can't I, I expect go, to do. You can't expect to score three points in the entire second half and win a game. I won't go that far, and and we'll we'll, we'll come back to the topic of if the NFL is rigged in a second. Yeah, but I think it only takes a play or two for the rest to change a game. Even if that argument's true, though, it's definitely not true here because Detroit did get the ball back with about two minutes left in the game, needing a touchdown. They had two timeouts. They had plenty of time and ample opportunity to get down the field, and they just couldn't do it. NFL football is a game of momentum. One play can change the course of an entire game easily. We, we're always pointing that out whenever we talk about a game about how, well, this is this is the moment that changed. Yes, there is every down, there is always an opportunity, but it always feels like there's a play that can change the entire mood of a game, the entire momentum of a game. And and I think I think that changed it. Absolutely. It absolutely did. And it, it's almost comical how much things just went down the tube for him right afterwards. They shanked the punt, so on and so forth. But in spite of all that, I can't get away from the fact that they did still have ample opportunity at the end of the game to win, to come back and win. I would feel a lot worse for the Lions if that penalty had affected their final drive of the game then I think it, it would really be a total outrage. Now, let me ask you this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how I feel about this, but do you think the NFL is rigged? Because honestly, I think it is way too convenient with all the like storybook endings that kind of happen. I mean, like really, who's going to watch a Raiders Super Bowl anyway? So is it worth letting them win games? Well, for, for starters, yes, I am enough of a loser. Like if the Raiders and the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm, I'm checking it out. I'm sitting down for the whole thing. <laughs> it's tempting to say that it's rigged. It really is, because like you were saying, there are so many storybook endings. Ray Lewis announces that he's going to retire and magically the Ravens catch on fire during the whole playoffs and, and they win that Super Bowl. There were all those key calls against the 49ers in that Seahawks 49ers NFC championship. But my big issue with the NFL potentially being rigged is just the fact that if if a bunch of people were being paid off to swing games for a certain team here and there, it just seems like that would have come out. Like there's so many people involved in the process. I feel like we would have caught wind of it somehow. Maybe not everything that's going on, but one or two cases would have popped up and we we haven't really had any. Not yet at least. Not yet at least. And I could be totally wrong about it, but that's what keeps me from thinking that it's totally rigged. Although I definitely do empathize with the sense of 
wow, that worked out really perfectly. The NFL is getting exactly the matchups that it wants. Right. I, I definitely do see that side of it, but I don't quite, I don't buy into the conspiracy yeah. theories yet. I think it's there. I don't think it's quite like wrestling where it's like, so oh. like completely manufactured, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, but I just think certain games, you know, have certain things riding on them. And it's just, I mean, you want to, you want to sell tickets. You, you want to, you want to be able to sell advertising. So it just makes sense to sometimes rig some of those games. I think I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just, I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist, but when it comes to the NFL, I am. That's fair. And a lot of people I think would agree with you. And as always, we'd love to know what you think. Is the NFL rigged? Again, you can find all of our contact info at talkoutofbounds.com. Let us know what you think. In fact, you can always let us know what you think. Just go to our website, talkoutofbounds.com. You can always leave a voicemail for us. You can join us right on the show. You can send us a message on Facebook. You can tweet at us. You can email us. If you really want to send us smoke signals, we won't get them, but you can send it to us. <laughs> Whatever works for you. You can you can try to commiserate with us about how, why, you know the Lions losing. You can call me crazy for my conspiracy theories. You can tell David, you know what? Uh, you need to fix that body odor problem. Even if you can't, you know, <laughs> sense it right now, I just want to let you know it is a problem. <laughs> Whatever. If you have constructive criticism, bad criticism, or compliments for how amazing we are as hosts. <laughs> and also, Lions fans, we feel your pain. Call in and tell us about how you're hurting. Let, the, let us be a part of your healing process. <laughs> In fact, we heard from somebody recently, didn't we? We heard from Ted from D.C., who's one of the hapless Lions fans who's un- very unfortunately unhappy with this past weekend's results. As a lifelong Lions fan, it was just another disappointment. I had them going about 8-8 eight and eight this season, uh, but when we got to 11-5 and five and got ahead in that game last Sunday, uh, I think it was the best game, uh, first half we'd played since the first Monday night game against the Giants. But a few things, you know, not just with the the brush call, but it kind of set off a chain reaction of a lot of other events that was just really disappointing. Um, you know, the whole play calling with the Lions this season, third and one, uh, clearly a pass that was intended for Brandon Pettigrew. It was interfered with, um, but the whole second half of that game, uh, kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns uh, was really, I was just sitting there and watching the game saying, we keep kicking field goals. And making them, though, unlike the first part of the season, uh, but we kept them in the game that way. Um, it was certainly disappointing to see the flag go out on the field and then for it to be picked up, and it, it was strange. But the Lions have a history with officiating snafus. Uh, the Calvin Johnson rule from a few years ago, uh, you know, the Jim Schwartz rule uh, from a couple other years ago as well with, uh, you know, other officiating snafus and 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 referee bad play calling and then establishing new uh, policies after the fact. I mean, it doesn't help us for the season now being over, um, but I think, you know, the call is upsetting, but also our play. We also heard from Derek in Colorado, who had a pretty funny uh, incident to report. I'd like to say that I have just seen a great Dodge Ram pickup truck with two Bronco stickers and another bumper sticker that says, I heart crack horse. So as we go into playoffs, just remember, Broncos fans are basically Raiders fans who have a winning record. Bye. Again, you can always join the show. Just go to talkoutofbounds.com. Like I said, you can leave a voicemail. You can message us on Facebook or tweet at us, email us, whatever works for you. 
Again, all of that is on our website, talkoutofbounds.com. And now we move into talking about my favorite week of the playoffs. This is my favorite week of the playoffs because this is the last weekend where there's going to be four games. Nobody's got a bye week. The really good, big powerhouse teams are finally coming out to play. And we're going to start off our weekend with the AFC matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. Obviously, they're going to be playing in Foxborough. But the way everybody's talking about this game, you I really would think that it's in Baltimore. Everybody is is favoring the Ravens. It's That's getting so much hype. Yeah, everybody's talking about how Flacco's 5 and 0 in his last 5 playoff games. I think he's thrown 13 touchdowns and zero picks, something something like that. Baltimore seems to be heating up at exactly the right time. And unfortunately for Patriots fans, this really seems to be the worst matchup that they could have run into. I think it's a little overrated. First off, the Baltimore Ravens beat uh the Pittsburgh Steelers without their number 1 offensive weapon. Le'Veon Bell. So let's calm down from this performance at the very least. They've been inconsistent this year. I think, as much as I will be cheering for the Baltimore Ravens, Boo. I think New England wins. I think they're the more balanced team. I think they've got a good defense. I think they've got a balanced run and pass game. And I don't think Baltimore, they may get to Brady every now and then, but I don't think they're going to shake him up that badly. I'll say this. I'm actually picking Baltimore to win, which is ironic because I'm the Patriots fan here and you're not. And you're you're picking the Patriots to win. We're both picking what we don't want to happen. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping that I'm wrong and you're right, obviously. But I I think that this Baltimore Ravens team is just the more physical. They're the, the tougher team than the Patriots are. And I also think that the Ravens are a team that really thrives on momentum. Like I actually think Baltimore benefits from playing in the wild card round and not having a bye week because I think they're a team that really builds on that momentum and they're bringing all of that into Foxborough. I will say this though. If the Patriots do beat the Ravens, then I think they definitely win the AFC championship. Yeah. Now I will say this. I think that was true of the Ray Lewis Ravens. I am not convinced that these Ravens, have that ability to fight against those kind of expectations. Well, I, I really hope you're correct, because if, if the Patriots lose, then I, I just don't know who I'm going to cheer for. The one matchup I'm really excited to see in that game, though, is Steve Smith and to see if Darrell Revis is who they put on him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I Revis has to either be with Steve Smith or Torrey Smith. It's got to be one of those two, and I guess the other guy will get Brandon Browner. But yeah, that will be a crazy matchup to watch. And that that is the big thing that the Patriots have going for them in this matchup. That Patriots defense is much better than it has been in the past, in the immediate past. Well, then Carolina will be going to Seattle. And man, this this is like a David and Goliath matchup like none other. I mean, yeah. a team that didn't even have a winning record and a tie <laughs> to go into the playoffs. Their quarterback's gotten into a car accident. The head coach's house has caught on fire. Like everything that, that could have happened to this team has happened except for like a major flood at their stadium. New conspiracy theory. Pete Carroll set fire to Ron Rivera's house. <laughs> and he's the one responsible for the Cam Newton car crash. <laughs> I'm gonna I want to pick Carolina and you know what until until now I was gonna pick Seattle but I'm gonna actually pick Carolina Woot! yeah I think their defense matches up well they've been on a good roll going into the end of the season and ultimately I think their front seven 
is great. I think they could actually match up against a really, really aggressive run team and could potentially, if if they can shut down the Seattle run game, I think they can shut down the Seahawks. You know, I've said this since the beginning of the season, and I know the Seahawks are the number one seed, and I know their stadium is just insanity. I know it's just hell to play in. I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. And I know that. I know I'm like the only person in the world who thinks that. But I just don't think they're going to win a playoff game. I think that there is so much tape out on what they like to do. And I think this of every team that wins the Super Bowl. Unless you really change your style of play from your Super Bowl championship, you're not going to win a playoff game. There's just too much out there on what you're going to do. So I am picking the Panthers, but I'm picking the Panthers only because I don't like Seattle to win a playoff game. (laughs) Now, the one thing that'll have to change from last week, though, Carolina's tackling was a little off, especially to start off the game. They made some mistakes early on that kept the Cardinals in that game for a while. And Cam Newton needs to play a little better. He had a couple of mistakes that did really cost him early on. He settled down, but Cam Newton cannot afford to make a major mistake in this game. The margin of error is very low. And I would say, I think this game could be incredibly low scoring. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, 3-9 all field well, goals. Their, their <laughs> meeting in week 13, or whenever it was, was 13-9 Seahawks. So, I mean, we could definitely be looking at a 12-9 type game, something in that range, definitely. Well, then Dallas goes to Green Bay. At high noon central time, Ugh. literally high noon central time. That is that is epic, and no, <laughs> that that is incredibly epic to have a game at high noon. And of course, it's the Cowboys yeah, at high noon. I Conspiracy know. theory. Ah. <laughs> it's too convenient. <laughs> as tempting as it is to go with the road team, considering how good Dallas has been, as as a Redskins fan, I feel like it would be immoral for me to eat. I feel like it would be immoral for me to pick the Cowboys. So I'm picking the Packers. I think they're the better team. This is a hell of a tough game, though, for the Packers. Dallas, I I honestly think that Dallas benefits from this game being on the road and not in Big D. Yeah, I think so, too. But I think Green Bay's the better team. I think there were some moments that were sloppy for Dallas last week. And if they play the way they did last week, then I think Green Bay wins. It's going to be a good one to see. That's that's one of the most interesting games this weekend, I think. And then rounding out the weekend, our final game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Denver Broncos. Of course, these two teams met early on. They met week one this past season, and the Broncos edged the at the Broncos edged out the Colts. The Colts had a late late last minute uh, comeback, but they lost twenty four to thirty one. But of course, the Colts also beat the Broncos. In 2013, so both of these teams, they've got a victory over each other. That being said, it's in Denver. Uh, I'm picking the Broncos to win. I would really like to see the Colts win just because I'd like to see a new face in the AFC Championship, but I think Denver wins. Oh, I think Denver definitely wins. Uh, The indie that I saw last week was iffy at best. Um, 
and honestly, <laughs> I think Denver's run game is so good. Even if you took Peyton Manning out of the equation right now, I think Denver is honestly such a well-built team. They've got a great pass rush. They've got a great run game, a very versatile run game, too. They can play a lot of different types of running games as well. That's not something that gets uh, a, a lot of credit, but uh, they can do that. And, of course, you, we could spend forever talking about their, their passing game as well. I well, think Denver no, definitely wins. Let me ask you something. Do you put any stock into all the speculation about Manning's kind of downfall? I, I believe he's thrown only three touchdowns and like six interceptions in the final four games or so, something like that. No. He, 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 <laughs> no. I, I think they were letting him rest yeah. <laughs> so he could turn it on for the playoffs. Fair enough. Fair enough. So interestingly enough, you and I only differ on one pick, and that's Baltimore, New England. Interesting. Yeah. And we want that to be the other way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing we like to do is make sure we give back to the community as well. And uh, since we've only got uh, about a month left of the show before we go on break and then come back in, in, in I guess, about two months, uh, we want to just refer you over to our website to take a look at our featured charity of the past couple months. Uh, and some of those have been Jared Allen's Home for Wounded Warriors, Tom Bahali's work with Heart to Heart International. We, we want to highlight players who are making a difference in their community, especially since there are a lot of players who got a lot of negative publicity for doing a lot of bad things, but sometimes the good players don't get recognition. Uh, you can be a part of what they do to help change lives and to, to make a difference in the community. You can see what Tom Bahali and Heart to Heart International did to help with the Ebola crisis in Africa. And also Jared Allen's Homes for Wounded Warriors and what they do to help veterans who come back disabled to help them and their families to readjust into society as well. You can find out more about both of those charities on our website, talkoutofbounds.com. That's going to just about do it for our divisional round preview. Keep an eye out for our next episode of Quick Hits real soon and also our Championship Sunday preview, which will be out real soon.